1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means to sanctify means to set you apart for the master's use. Holy means completely. The God of peace, your heavenly Father, wants to set you apart for the master, Jesus' use, completely. And then it says this, And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to sanctify you wholly. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? And your body. He wants, he wants to help you in every arena. Isn't that good news? This shows me the threefold nature of man. You and I are a spirit. Now, I'm telling you, you've heard me say this so many times, but I'm telling you, we're, we, gotta, we have to know this. We have to teach more on it because we're way too body conscious. We're way too emotional, feelings, you know, conscious. We have to be spirit conscious. You and I are a spirit. Say this, I am a spirit. My spirit possesses a soul. Right? Say that with me. My spirit possesses a soul. And my spirit, say this with me, lives in my body. So you got to get that right. I am a spirit. Right? You don't have to say it with me anymore. That's okay. That's fine. You guys are looking at me like, what do I do? So you got to realize that. Isn't it hard to, to focus on that sometimes when your body's hurting? When the, your, your emotions are all like stirring up, right? Right? So this is huge. I'm a spirit, and my spirit possesses a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, and my spirit, the real me, lives in my body, okay? So we got to get this right. So now let's go back to the very beginning, and let's, let's back this up. Let's go to the origin of man. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 in verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 in verse 7. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nikayla is excited about this. Man, she is excited about this, and I, I'm excited too. So Nikayla and I are preaching. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Look at this. It says, And the Lord God formed man. It means he formed man, he shaped man, he molded man of the dust of the ground. So in other words, God made you and I from dirt, our physical bodies, all right? I heard a professor in the 80s, uh, he was an Oxford professor with a couple, two, three PhDs. He was one of the leading evolutionists 
became a creationist as he put scientific law to evolution. And I, and I was in a meeting where he proved how God made man's body out of dirt. Wow, was that above my head, right? So, so and then what happened? Then what did God do? And God breathed into his nostrils the breath. This word breath means the spirit of life. And man became a living soul. In the Hebrew language, the ancient Hebrew language, and man became a living spirit. So God made this physical body, and then he, 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 he literally put his mouth by Adam's nose, and, and he breathed. It's the word blow. It could be translated to blow, to breathe, to inflate. And he went, The Bible says that every word in this Bible is God, is God breathed. That's why it's full of life. God took something of himself and he made man. Now, why am I saying all this? So, so I'm growing spiritually, so I'm going to a new level with water bottles. Okay? So these are, so here, let's say this bottle is God. Okay? And this water is his spirit. Okay, you got that? So God took something of himself and then he made man's body and he put who he was, something of himself, into man. So now, so when God did this, so when God, when God did this and put something of himself into man, is that any different than what's in God? Isn't it? It's not, is it? Boy, that will tilt some religious people. So God took something of himself and he put it into man. So let me use this example. So let me have, uh, let me have Alex and Lucy and Nikayla come down here. Now, I told them ahead of time. Uh, you know, they, they are like, oh my gosh, what's Pastor going to do here? What's that? She wants to help you. I know. See, look at, she's already got the water bottle. I know, Nikayla, there's a great anointing in water bottles. So now, Alex and Lucy, and, and you know, you ladies really come expecting, but Lucy has come expecting at a whole new level. Okay, and you know, I think there's another girl in here, Emily, man, she came expecting at a whole new level. But so what has happened is Alex and Lucy, as husband and wife, literally came together and Nikayla was, was born, was made, Alex and Lucy made Nikayla God put the Michaela's spirit in her, but 
would you, now, is Nikayla Lucy? No. Is Nikayla Alex? No. But who is Nikayla? Nikayla's their daughter. Human. A speaking spirit just like them, right? But she's not Lucy. Or she's not Alex. She's Nikayla. Okay, thank you guys. So I know that's really deep. But we're not saying that because God took something of himself and made us, we're not saying that because we're, we are literally made with the same spirit that who God is, that same life. We're not saying we're God, but we are saying we're his children, made in his likeness and in his image. Okay, so keep this in mind because we, we have to know our identity. In your spirit is everything. People are begging God to do things for them in their life and God's like, it's done. It's not a matter of God doing it. It's not a matter of you being good enough No, you don't have to be good enough to get God to do it. Jesus was good enough and he paid the price. And so now it's a matter of you receiving it. But you cannot, you have no ability to receive anything from God if you don't, apart from faith, and faith comes when you hear God's word. You have to be fully persuaded that what he said is true. And you lay hold of the blessing of God. We've got multitudes of Christians who are trying to believe God. They're they're begging God, please heal me, please heal me. And God's up there going, I did. Receive it, lay hold of it. How far do you have to go? It's in you, right? So keep this in mind. Let's keep going with this thought. You guys, is this making sense? Okay, so, and the Lord God formed man out of the ground, right? And then he put... He breathed into him. He put part of himself into man. So Adam and Eve, they were were speaking spirits like God. So now let's go. Let's take this all the way into the New Testament and let's look at this. So John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I think it's verse 21 or 22. Let's look at this. John chapter 20. I believe it's verse 22. Let's go back to verse 19 and just read this in context. So it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, now this is after Jesus was crucified and then resurrected from the dead, it says the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, And Jesus, uh, came Jesus and stood in their midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad. Notice they weren't really glad until they saw Jesus. They were glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my father 
hath sent me, even so send I you. So in other words, now Jesus is going the same way that my Father sent me, now I'm going to send you. Same. Okay? So now, let's keep going with this. And when he, verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. It's the word breathe. It's the word blow. It literally could mean inflate. He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. This is where the disciples got saved. We know it's not where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit because that came on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus went back to heaven. So this is when they were saved. This is when they were born again. Notice, it looks a lot like the creation, right? God the Father formed Adam and breathed into his nostrils the spirit of life. Jesus breathed. Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. We are also born again believers now. So in other words, the way the Father sent him, now he's sending us, there's so many other scriptures that says the works that I do, you'll do also, and greater works will you do because I'm going to my Father. Wow. So do you kind of, do you see this? So this is, this is big. So how are we born again? So let's go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. What the Spirit of God is saying is he wants you to know who you are. He wants you to have a very clear revelation of who you are. Satan hates this. Because if you know who you are in Christ, he's completely done in your life and in multitudes of people that are around you. Right? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says here, how are we born again? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So the seed that you and I have been born again with is incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Wow. Luke 8, 11 tells us the seed is the word of God. So you and I are born again by the incorruptible word of God. Is there any way, if you're born again by the incorruptible word of God, is that talking about your body? No. It's talking about your spirit. So if your spirit is born again by the incorruptible word of God, is there any way that your spirit might have any problems and need to still be healed or anything like that? No. What? So then just because I feel 
depressed and afraid, does that mean I am? Is my spirit depressed? Or is this, is this all going on just in my mind? Yes. Can the enemy touch me? No. He could try to touch my body. He could, he could affect, try to affect my soulish realm, but he can't even touch my spirit. So I wonder what would happen if a person would walk around going, wait a minute, see, this is where people are. They look at their body and they're like, well, you know, this word of faith stuff, I don't get it because, you know, I mean, these people are running around saying they're healed, but they're still, they have symptoms. I have no trouble saying I'm healed because my spirit's not sick. Jesus himself, the Bible says, bore all of the sickness and all of the pain for me. So now I realize, wait a minute, this is going on in my physical body, which belongs to God. God's will is that he sanctify me, set me apart for the master's use completely, and it has no legal right in my body. So now I, the spirit man, Tony Finley, am going to believe God's word and I'm going to speak it out of my mouth as a speaking spirit, and my words, which I'm speaking God's words now, bring all the power and presence of God on the scene, and that's how I lay hold of my healing, and the healing power of God comes out of my spirit from the Holy Spirit of God, and it quickens and it makes whole my body. As I meditate in the Word of God, see, but people could go, yeah, but Pastor, depression, see, I've got chemical imbalances in my brain. Great, okay. But you don't have to keep them. It doesn't have to stay that way because the Bible says when I renew my mind with the word of God, it's the implanted word as I implant God's word in my spirit. What happens is light comes and the word of God starts speaking to my mind and it washes over my mind and it brings salvation and wholeness and healing to my mind, to my brain, my physical uh, organ of my brain, and so that my mind can function through my brain accurately. So this is, you got to understand, you're a spirit. If you ever feel fear, that doesn't mean you're in fear. Your spirit is full of power, love, and a sound mind or soundness of mind. And so now when you know that, you can get fear out of your life. When you know that in your spirit is everything that pertains to life and godliness... Everything God owns, you're an heir of. It's your inheritance. You're not going to get it. You have it now. So now finances are no longer an issue because it's all mine. We're trying to believe God to pay off a, a house or get a house when we own the planet. Right? Now, now, when I say we own the planet, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Great. But Jesus said everything the Father has is mine. And then it says that we're co-heirs with Jesus, so that means... So when I say mine, see, when I talk about me, I'm not just talking about me. Because my life is tucked away with Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, 
in God. Wow. This is who you are right now. Man, when this dawns on your spirit and that revelation grows in you, see, this is what happens. So let's say you're not really in the word or whatever and you decide to give in. Your flesh is wanting you to go a certain way. The enemy's throwing thoughts. All of a sudden, we would say that you're doing some kind of sinful or unrighteous behavior. This is what happens. Your spirit is convicting you. It's convincing you, hey, I don't want to do this. This is not good. Don't do this. But you know what the Holy Spirit's doing? He's convicting you also. He's down on the inside convicting you or convincing you that you're righteous. Hey, you don't have to do this. The power of sin's been broken over your life. Don't, Don't let your flesh do this. Don't let your body go this way. Don't let your mouth say that. You're righteous. And that's our whole life. See, we've got to know who we are. This is amazing. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So now let's jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Well, I don't think I could ever teach on this enough. So it says, check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verse 17, it says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Oh my goodness. I'm one spirit with the Lord? Wow, I'm one spirit. What's Tony? What's Jesus? What's God the Father? What's the Holy Ghost? I'm I'm one. Because here's the thing, so if this is me, my life is tucked away with Christ in God. So here I am. This is me. So who's Jesus? Who's me? Who's the Holy Spirit? Who's God? Uh, yes. Nothing can ever separate me from the love of God because I'm one with him. I wonder, see, when when you realize it like this, doesn't 1 John 5, 14 make sense? If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. How far does does he have to go to hear me? And if I know he hears me, I already know I have. Well, of course I have. Does Does he not have everything? So if this is him, and I'm there too, And so is Jesus. Whoever's born of God, see, this is what a world overcomer looks like. This is why Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. 
And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and who's given himself for me. And now all things are possible to me because I believe. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How far does he have to go to strengthen me? So when the enemy tells me that I'm alone, am I ever alone? No. Ooh. It's kind of, kind of cool, huh? Religion doesn't like this. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Man, you're not a wretch. That wretch died, was crucified, buried with Christ, and now you were raised with him to newness of life. Let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 24. Boy, I wish this service was about three or four hours long. I've got a lot of scriptures in there, but hallelujah. John chapter 4, verse 24. And every worship leader said amen when they come to this. Wow, this is a great scripture, right? It says, God is a spirit. So God's a spirit. You're a spirit. Right? Your spirit is one with God. This is why they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Which, what's truth? The, I, I have to worship him in line with God's word. I have to worship him out of my spirit. This is, this is see, when my hands do this, this is just an outward manifestation that my spirit is completely open and pursuing God. Well, it's just not my personality. No, no, that's not true. Because this is not a quiet, subdued personality. This is a person that is not conscious that they're a spirit. Right? So, so this, is, this is why worship is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. Because that's worship. That's me worshiping and God's right there responding to me. This is the secret place. This is, this is where you are tonight. You're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, so don't be afraid of a virus. Now, if, you, if you're not aware of this, that virus could attack your body. But if you're aware of this, that, that virus will die if it comes in contact with you. This is the secret place. A thousand will fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near me. Right? See, this is how... I, the reason why I'm saying this is you've got to know who you are and how much you're loved. See, God's love never wanes. When you feel like you're doing everything right, when you, your behavior is doing everything wrong, God's love for you has not changed a bit. God loves everyone, and his love never wanes. Is God pleased with every one of his children? No. No. 
No, it doesn't please the Lord when you walk by sight and not by faith because he can't, you, he, he, he can't get anything over to you. There's no, there's no fellowship, per se, of, of him being able to get stuff over to you that's yours. And how far does he have to get it over? But, but, but see, you're still here. He's just not as pleased as when you know that you're here. See, when you know you're here, addictions fall off. You walk free. See, here is where the root of a righteousness consciousness comes from. When you're aware that you're here. When you're not aware that you're here, you think, you think this is where you are. Well, I was here, but now, now here's God and here's me. No, you're still there. And as you look to the word of God and you put it first place and you start feeding on it, that hunger will kick in, everything will kick in, You'll start seeing yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. And then holiness will flow out of righteousness and it'll change that behavior. This is why Christianity is not a set of do's and don'ts. That's not what Christianity is. It's a relationship. It's oneness with God who came looking for you. I love that. And it'll never change. God is a spirit. So now you're in John chapter 4. Go back to John chapter 3 in verse 3. John 3, 3. Look at this. It says, Jesus answering or answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, in the Greek language it would read, born from above, he cannot, you could say it, born again or born from above, same thing. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Wow, that's a guy that was educated way beyond his intellect, right? <laughs> Jesus answered, said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that was a term in Jesus' day for natural birth, and of the Spirit. He have to be born of the Spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then look at what it says. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. Why am I saying that? Because you are a spirit. You live in a physical body, but you're not a body. That's who you are. Now look at, look at what Jesus said just a couple chapters later. John chapter 6 in verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit that quickens or makes alive. It's the Spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words... 
Jesus said the words that I'm speaking to you. Now, in other scriptures, he says, I only say what I hear my father say. So in other words, God's word is spirit and it's life. This is why it's not intellectual. You go to school, when you start school in the fall, it's, you're going to study all kinds of subjects intellectually. But the Bible, you don't study it intellectually. It's spirit and it's life. So, so let's look at this. This is why John 1, 1 says what it says. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, you can't separate God from His Word. Verse 4, in Him, in Jesus, in the Word was life. It was Zoe life, and that life was the light or the development of men. If you jump down to verse 14, it says... And the word was made flesh, or the word took upon itself flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Jesus is, is literally, he is the word of God. He's spirit and he's life. That's why he says, the enemy's coming to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that you might have the God quality of life, the same life that God has. And this is what being a Christian is. Wow. Why do we go to heaven? Because we're united with him. Jesus said this to those while he was on the earth, he says, you're of your father, the devil. Why do people go to hell? Well, because hell was made for the devil and his angels. And a person, when they choose to reject the sacrifice so that they could be born again, they're going to go there because they're identified with Satan. That's why. God doesn't send people to hell. He honors their decision to go there. Boy, that sounds a lot different than what, what is really what we talk about. Let's keep going with this in verse 16. Look at this. Now, this will tilt any religious little thing inside of you. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. What? We have received? Of his fullness? For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Wow. So now I'm a spirit. I'm one with God. Now, just like Nicaela is not Alex and Nicaela is not Lucy, Nicaela's Nicaela, Nicaela's their daughter. I'm not the creator of the universe. I'm not God the Father. No, I'm his child. Right? But I have him in me and I'm in him. I'm, everything he has is mine. Why should I ever let anything dominate me on this earth? 
This is why Jesus said literally, uh, it says in the word of God, if you say that you know him, you should walk the way he walked. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Because why? We're the same. You have all the authority of the name of Jesus that Jesus got when he came out of the grave. It's, you have it all right now. Not you're going to develop into it. It's not for just a few. No, it's for you right now. You watch. Mark my words. There will be people that will do incredible exploits, or I should say it correctly, that God will do incredible exploits through people, miracles through people. You're going to see children doing things that the greatest evangelists have not done. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy fun. Because it's all him. We have received of his fullness. I got to tell you, when I read that, I get so excited because that revelation will grow in me. I don't even know how long. I don't think it'll ever stop growing in me through all eternity. And he gave it to me because he loves me. Now go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. You guys doing okay? I hope this is exciting you. Because what the Lord should be talking to you about is you don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be poor anymore. You don't have to lack anymore. You don't have to be beaten down anymore. Your future is secure. Your future's bright. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Man, when I'm out there talking to people right now, people are so afraid. I was talking to a young lady today, and she's like, man, my boyfriend and I and, and my son, or we're leaving my son with his mom, and we're going to be going to California on vacation, and I'm just so worried because we're going to be around a lot of people. And oh my gosh, I just, I just, I don't want to bring anything back. I don't want to be, bring this virus back and give it to my son. I'm just so worried. You don't have to be. Jesus wants to meet people right where they are and say, listen, peace be unto you. Fear not, I'm with you. But see, we can't give that to people if we don't know who we are. Right? You can't give what you don't know. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Let's look at another scripture that says the same thing. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. In the Greek language, it means all scripture is God-breathed. We have seminaries that are taking out scriptures in the Bible and, and whole parts because they're saying God's word is no longer relevant. Wow, what a lie straight from the pit, right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It instructs us for reproof. It gives us proof or evidence. It corrects us. It instructs us in righteousness so that we would be perfect. That means fresh and complete, thoroughly equipped unto all good works. Wow. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. This is why it says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is what? Is quick and powerful, 
sharper than any two-edged sword. It's quick and powerful. That means it's full of life and it's active and it's an effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints of, and, and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Man. You know, I said this scripture before. Let's go look at it. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Can we just flow with the Holy Ghost a little bit tonight? Colossians 3, 16. For what? Look at this. Let the words of Christ, or the word of Christ, the word of the anointed one and his anointing, you could say it this way, let the anointed word dwell. That means I'm a home for God's word. His word dwells in me. It fills me. My, I, it, it dwells in me. But how does it dwell in me? Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Look at verse 3 of the same chapter in Colossians. Colossians 3.3. 3. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Nothing can separate you. So as we're kind of coming down to the end, I want to go to James chapter 1. Why am I saying this? Because it's time that the children of God rise up and are not moved and not distracted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is all passing away. It's not of the Father. It's time for you and I to stand and rise up who we are in Christ and delight in the Word of God and meditate on it day and night so that He can give us the desires of, of our heart, those are expressions of his will for our life, that we're not moved and need conscious. We are purpose-driven and conscious. We are living divinely. See, you're human, but that is not all you are. You're also a child of God. You are a spirit. Now look at James chapter 1 and verse 22. Wow, I could almost get to preaching here. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. This means be a doer, don't just be, it's, it's the Greek word that means to listen to with no intent to do it. Pastor, I, you know, you could talk about tithing, giving offerings, walking in love, speaking in tongues. I'm just not doing it. Okay. but be doers of the word and not just a listener like that, only deceiving your own selves. You allow Satan to go on vacation. He doesn't have to deceive you. You deceive yourself. And then it says, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. This word glass means mirror. So when you get up in the morning, you look at a mirror. You see, we say we see ourselves, but reali in reality, we see a reflection of ourselves, right? And, and what do you do? We'll, we'll use you ladies as an example, okay? So you make sure 
you're looking at the mirror, you know, I need some eye, I'm going to make my eyelashes look thicker, right? Is that one of the things you guys do? Maybe blush, you know, I mean, look at their hair, it's just really nice, you know, you got to make sure your glasses are on right and brush teeth, you know, teeth brushed and all this stuff, right? You look in the mirror so that you can make some adjustments so that when you go out, you're together. That's kind of what you do in the Word, except in the Word. See, some of you guys need to look in the mirror. Because guys, sometimes we forget to look in the mirror. You know, you just kind of brush your teeth, go, you know, you're out. And then you walk out and your wife goes, ooh, your hair looks, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. Right? So, now I'm not saying any guys here. Right? I'm not really looking at anybody. You know, some of you ladies don't look at a guy and start laughing. Right? But see, the word of God here is like a mirror, but it's, it shows you your spirit. And you got to look in the mirror, and when you look and you keep on looking, the, the mature believer looks and keeps on looking. So now you know what to adjust and what to repair. Because being spiritual is not being flawless, it's being wholehearted. And if I start going this way, because I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to go that way, I'm going to go this way. See, this is what this is talking about. Here's the problem. A lot of us got the mirror from the wrong store. We didn't get it from God's store. We got it from the religious store. Right? So, so it's warped. Because I look at this mirror and it doesn't show me who I am in Christ. It shows me that I'm, I'm just this guy that that God's ready to just smack and he's mad at me and he's never smiling and, and you know, and, 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 and it, it shows me that I'm just this lowly wretch. It shows me that, you know, I have no right to ever come to God and ask him anything. So you might have to get a new mirror. Man, get, first of all, get the right mirror, right? And then look at it. Because if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. He beholds himself and goes his way. In other words, he looks and then goes his way. And immediately or straightway, he forgets what manner of man that he was. That's why you're self-deceived you don't know who you are. Does that make sense? But then it says this, but whoso looks, whoever looks and keeps looking into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in his doing or in his deed. So this is why we got to look in the mirror so that we know I'm a spirit. This is who I am. I am one with my Father. I am a world overcomer. I am attached to the vine. Or I'm the vine and he's the branch and I do everything with him. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Well, that's really easy to do because I'm drawing from him spirit to spirit. Right? I'm continually strengthened inwardly in him. I'm able to literally stand against all the wiles of the devil. I arm myself. I allow the word of God to literally arm me. The very armor of God comes upon me. It's revelation knowledge of his word. And now I'm ready to pray the perfect will of God. I'm ready to bring God on the scene in every arena of my life. Get ready for massive change. You might have to listen to this message 10 or 15 times. But do it. Get these scriptures. Look at them. This is not who you're going to develop into. This is who you are. Romans chapter 5 Verse 17 says, those that have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You are to have dominion in this earth. You are to subdue. You're more than a conqueror. The greater one lives on the inside of you. Nothing can stop you in this earth. You're not not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed. Sickness has to bow to who you are in Christ. You're not the the poverty-stricken trying to get prosperous. No, you already have the blessing of Abraham upon you. And now poverty and lack has to get out of your life. And you're not tied to the natural laws of this earth. God, I mean, you see it over and over. The first miracle of Jesus, the first one, he turned water into wine. You talk about compressing a time frame. Instead of go plant a vineyard, let that grow up for years, water it, plant it, year, and then you you get it, you harvest the grapes, you put it in bottles, you let it sit for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 100 years, and then now it's the best vine in the world. Not with God. Jesus, Mary just goes, just do what he says. So, So Jesus tells them, just because of his boldness, because he knew who he was. Oh, those water pots that you use the water to wash people's feet? Yeah, take those, just fill them up, and then dip the water out and take it to the guy, the head of the feast. And the guy's like, wow, this is the best wine. Why did you? He compressed the time frames. Jericho in the Old Testament, they seized that the largest, most powerful city that they would ever face in the promised land. They seized it and took control of it in seven days. When they would seize a city, it would be one to three years. God is saying all over the book, I'll compress your time frames. And we have to believe it now because we are to do a lifetime of ministry in the next few years. Amen?